Hello, and welcome to Unwise Girls, a read-through podcast of Rick Riordan's books. Except for that's not what you're getting today. You're getting Unwise Thems, where we read a single chapter of The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. And I am Audrey, and I use she-they pronouns. My name is Riley Hopkins, and I use he-they pronouns. We are uh, Unwise Thems. Yeah, unwise that you get it. You see, you see what we did. You see. <laughs> explain <laughs> the bit a little bit more, you know. Yeah, well, to explain why we're here in your podcatcher feed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hi. So, there was a thing called Show Swap that we funded. I can't remember at what charity stream, but for Moonshot Network as a whole, and so we have kind of all swapped around. A, a, Jane and Jacqueline are going to be on Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends, which is an actual play podcast. Uh, you should go see what they're doing over there. But that meant I had to come over here. And I was like, hey, I I can't do this alone. <laughs> There's two of them on that show. So I reached out to one of my amazing friends, Audrey. That's me. And it's convenient because my show is only me. So yes. uh, partnering up with someone was pretty cool. <laughs> this is what this is the magic of teamwork here. Yes. And and I decided that I, I picked. <laughs> I wanted to read a a book that meant a lot to me growing up. I love the uh, I love the Percy Jackson books, but I wanted you know they got that covered here. Like both both of them, they they got it under control. I was like, oh, we should read the Golden Compass. And I pulled a number out of a hat, assuming it would be in the middle. Irik would be there, or we'd be getting into some shenanigans, or something exciting would be happening. So I picked chapter twelve. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That is, uh, see, okay, so here's the thing, Riley. I appreciate uh, that you love this series and grew up with it. I did not because oh. it, this is actually really interesting to me because I've never read this series. And oh my God. I grew up in a household that was uh, fairly conservative and Catholic. And this book is about killing God is my understanding. And there's the, demons and uh, stuff in it. So I was never allowed to read it. You get there. They get to killing God. But the, the first thing is that the church directly and deliberately harms children for their own personal gain. Exactly. And we saw a little <laughs> bit of that in this chapter, I think. We saw a little bit of that. Okay. So hold, So let's take a second. So yeah. So so Damon's, uh, <laughs> the, do you have any questions about the world that you would like clarify? So or? many. Because what I went into this knowing <laughs> was that there was a polar bear that could talk mm-hmm. and uh aforementioned god killing demons whatever etc etc uh and that there is a golden compass that they call a much more complex word because it's magical yes because it's a magical doohickey you know uh so questions wise why does the bear talk why does the bear have armor is he a demon like the other one like pan 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 uh pan diamond pan Mm, it sounded like pandemonium uh, when I was reading it, and I know that's not right. Uh, Irik is not a daemon. Irik uh, okay. is a Panzerborn, uh, which is I saw you. I, I I saw you write it on the uh, on our on our album art for this. I saw you write that down, and and you missed like the the O's and the, yes. the fancy yes. accents there. <laughs> and that's because the Panzerborn are are they are a a species. They are a group of of sentient and alive polar bears. That have that all of them will forge their own armor. They will they will make this armor. It is the strongest, and then they are they are the armored bears in the north. Um, Iric used to be a king of the. Are you going to read these? 
I mean, probably I have. So the reason that I have a copy of this book right now is that uh, mm-hmm. the whole trilogy was gifted to me for my kid uh, yes. when they're old enough to read them. So I've been hanging on to them. So I'll probably read them eventually. Mm-hmm. I read these when I was in fourth and third, fourth and fifth grade. <laughs> that was when I was reading Little House on the Prairie. So yes, yes. I hated Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> So I hid this book in the pages of that one. I'm actually doing a reread of that series right now. And it's, wow, it's so boring. I cannot believe it held my attention for so long. This, so every, in this world, there are, there are, uh, every person's soul is on the outside of their body. And they have another being that is linked with them and that is their daemon. Okay. When you are a child, your daemon can change forms because you're not fully formed as a person yet, right? Right. But so it hasn't like in, settled into what it's going to yes. be. And then it will settle. And that kind of puts you on the path of like, not what you're going to do or whatever, but it, it matches you as a person because it is your, it is you. Right. And so you have like people with a hair or people with a hawk or people with a snow leopard. Oh my God. You didn't see this. You have a particularly <laughs> evil woman named Mrs. Coulter and she has a spider monkey or like a golden Ooh. monkey. Or right, you have Yes, and you have a uh, a particularly evil man by the name of Lord Asriel who has a snow leopard. And that's Lyra's dad. That is that is Lyra Blasco's dad. Yes, it is. Uh, Lyra she, has a complicated relationship with the pregnancy. She just like <laughs> casually dropped that that she's the daughter of Lord Asriel, and I was like, hmm, he sounds important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to put it lightly. Yeah, but, yeah. So, like, okay, so to summarize this chapter, because I know that that's something that Jacqueline and Jane do, is, yes. like, a bit broad summary of the chapters they're going to talk about. So, this chapter is, Lyra is, I'm going to try this, and you're going to have to correct all the things I say wrong, I'm sure. Gotcha, don't you worry. <laughs> okay, so Lyra and Eric and Pan are with a lot of people who we learned the first and last names of multiple times mm-hmm. for some reason. They're they're the, I, I believe they're the Egyptians. Yes, uh, they John are G- Egyptians. Yes, John Fa, uh, Lee Scoresby, Tony yeah. something gets name dropped. Lee Scoresby isn't Egyptian. He is played by Lin-Manuel Miranda in the new TV show. Okay, so I don't know anything about the new TV show except for that he's in it. So Yes, he, he the, the other person who has played him is uh, Sam Elliott. Really? And you may be like, who's Sam the, Elliott? And you no, look at I a know. Of him. Oh my god! Yeah. I just talked about Little House on the Prairie, so I think that You're you right. can safely assume that I know who <laughs> Sam Elliott is. Yes, but he's like he he flies around in a hot air balloon, and he has a he has a hair. He has a little rabbit as his as his daemon. Wow! So he sounds pretty cool. But okay, but he's not Egyptian. He's just here. He's just here. He's friends. He's friends with them. Uh, Lyra, yeah, Lyra's from Oxford College. Has come continue with the summary sorry no, I'm, you're I'm like good. too excited now I, to like... no it's okay i'm excited to learn about them from okay i'm gonna tangent again that's all this show is gonna be is so mm-hmm. i host a non moonshot show called mordor she wrote which is oh, me oh, i didn't know that <laughs> yeah um chris actually was just on it which is really fun um oh, but so I read Lord of the Rings with my friend Kayla, who has never read them and somehow never seen the movies and doesn't know anything about them other than having taught The Hobbit to seventh graders like 12 times. <laughs> and we go chapter by chapter. And I'm like, I was into Lord of the Rings, like mm-hmm. very into it, have read them a dozen times, you know. So this is what this that feels like. I'm on the other side 
of that dynamic right now, which is really exciting. Except we've just started dead in the middle at which like is, a pivotal turning point. Which is also kind uh, of fun. Yeah. So you, you saw the word gobblers here, right? Yes. So she, I get the impression based on that word uh, and really nothing else, just that word, um, <laughs> that the gobblers are not something great. No, the gobblers are stealing children. Ooh. Children are disappearing. And we and, assume and, that they're eating them because they're called the gobblers. Well, that's what the rumor is, right? That's the stories children tell each other. Mm. Um, this is where we get into dust. Okay, I don't even know what that is. There is a substance that fl- that is uh, kind of drifting through, right? Drifting through the universe. Uh, it is it is uh, known, like we would imagine it as dark matter, right? Okay. Um, but it is like what it, it, it is drawn to to children. Uh, it is drawn to the bonds between things. And so in a what we see here at the at the end, you know, there's a lot of science about dust, but it's a forbidden thing. It's something that Lord Asriel is doing research on on dust, uh, which is just this like golden shimmer that is between things. And it is it is it is you can directly access it in the connection between uh, humans and their daemons. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so this is set like so you mentioned Oxford College earlier. Yes. This is set in like an alternate version of Earth, then I take it. Yes. Yes. It is currently set in an alternate version of Earth. I don't like the way that you said currently. (laughs) 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 Okay, so there's like the reference the reason too is that like they're referencing some things that I like know are real things Mm -hmm. from both just like earth meteorological phenomena and uh like history like they talk about the tartars and they talk about uh the aurora which is like the northern lights because they're up in the north and there's like a tribe that has a name that's kind of similar to siberia so i was like okay alternate earth i can get on board with that also egyptian just makes me think that they're egyptians and he just didn't want to call them that Mm -hmm. it is it is egyptians are very much like it's one of those things that as a kid, I was like, is this okay? Like, yes. Politically, like as a kid, even you look at, it, I'm like, hmm. And as an adult, I'm like, hmm. Cause they're, they're meant to be, they're meant to be like the way that they're painted is like Romani, right? It's like right. a traveling group of people. And like, they they become a, a mush of like a group of different people, which is like questionable as far as like me looking at it as an adult. And quite frankly, I have not done the research to be like, hey, what do I actually feel about this? But this was a book that was written in, like, 1995. Sure, sure. And as far as books written in 1995, this uh, calling a group of people Egyptians is really not the not the mm-hmm. worst thing that you could get. And they're, especially because they are, they are people that we are with and traveling with and learning and talking to. And, like, they're, they are looked down on by the villains of this. Okay, so they are definitely painted in a positive light then. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so so to go back to our summary, uh, basically immediately Lyra works with what I presume is the titular golden compass because yes, they the drop- Yes, the theometer. Exactly, and she like, okay, so it has a bunch of symbols on it and it has mm-hmm. like kind of hands, like a clock face kind of, but it's not, you know, it's compass. Yeah. And she is, like, discerning the meanings and connections between the symbols, kind of the way that people talk about, like, tarot or reading, like, runes 
or yes. um, like palmistry or things like that, except for that it's v- giving her very concrete answers. Like it's telling her it's 60 of these tribesmen and they have rifles and a couple cannons and like it's super specific. Yeah, the alethiometer knows the truth. Like it knows and in, in, in you and not everyone can read it is the thing. Special people can read it. Who tra- there are people who've trained an incredible amount of time and then go to these books that are like this symbol can mean these things this symbol can mean these things yada yada but lyra can read it without having done any of these studies and sometimes she can sometimes she can't but it's this it's that she feels the answers there Ooh. and what does that mean i've sent you a picture of the alethiometer in the show oh heck yeah okay cool I can't. it is a it is gorgeous oh wow that is really, There are three really hands pretty. on the alethiometer. They spin. You have to ask the question, and then it will spin to, like, give you the different answers. Oh, I really like this. So it's, like, halfway between a, a compass and, like, an astrolabe is kind of what I'm mm-hmm. getting, which mm-hmm. is really yes. pretty. I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. Okay. I, I'm on board. I think it's cool, you know, and it's children's literature, so you've got to have your chosen one. Um, with like their unexplained powers that inevitably they will kind of uncover what those are and where they came from <laughs> in their journey of growth and self-discovery, right? Coming of age. Exactly. Exactly. Now, yeah, yeah, she uses the alethiometer to get information on on uh on 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 these on these sixty men with 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 rifles and wolf daemons, uh, to be like, hey, I'm getting pretty bad vibes. And she also hears about a ghost, which she thinks is one of these captured children, right? Right. So she is like, hey, it's important, Lord Fa. I know that you're worried about this tribe I just told you about. And uh, I want to go find the ghost child. And so she basically, like, roundaboutly asks Eirik to take her. But Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, I can only go if Lord Fa tells me I have to. So then she convinces Lord Fa to tell him that he has to take her. And uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of an interesting back and forth. We got another really interesting name in this section, Farter Quorum, which sounds yes, like... Uh, Farter Quorum. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, which sounds uh, like a name that maybe a 12-year-old would have made up, but um, just because you could definitely mis- mistake the way that you're pronouncing that first name. Mm-hmm. Oh, Farter. <laughs> <laughs> I always read it as father, as as like as like fardecorum, like. Oh, like that's he is, really he is. that makes more sense. I would love for that to be true. I think to me that I think is is more true because this is not a book that delves into toilet humor as much, right? No, no, this is certainly like, not. This this is a book that takes itself extremely seriously, um, in, Which is... in a way that I really respected as a kid. Yeah, which is definitely something that like so. I think that there is All right. Okay. I'm a, I, this is my 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 2 minute trash talk of Harry Potter, okay? Um no, swag. <laughs> we 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 it deserves to be on this show. We okay. all we all support it. Okay. So the thing about Harry Potter is that it completely changed the face of children's literature in a bad way, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yes. And that is because it is presenting itself as something really profound and it's mm-hmm. hitting story beats that you know, have been hit throughout time because it falls, follows a very specific, like, hero's journey track, which, like, ugh, fuck Joseph Campbell. So, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing anyway. But you get a whole overlooked subset of literature, I feel, that came out 
just before or around the same time as Harry Potter. And I would include this in it. I would include things like the Mortal Engine series by Philip Reeve. I would include uh, the Old Kingdom series by Garth Nix, mm-hmm. where the stuff that is being presented is def- like it's definitely middle grade, maybe like pre-high school age stuff but it is dark and it is serious and it's not pulling its punches because it's it's aware that kids can handle it kind of thing like it's not roll with it it's not cushioning it in a bunch of fancy you know Mm -hmm. this is like a this is a book that it felt like i should not have gotten a hold of as a kid right (laughs) exactly it it very much was everything i could handle you know what i mean it trusted me in a way that like shows like infinity train trust kids right like Like, kids can self-censor if if something mm-hmm. is overwhelming for them, either and I and this is speaking from personal experience too, like either you're not right. gonna finish it or you're not gonna remember it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. There is uh so it just to get us through this fucking summary, because we need to get there. <laughs> We're never gonna get through it. Lyra works with Iric, gets permission to go, rides Iric to the village. Iric and a person there speak. She goes to a cabin, she goes in where this ghost air quotes is. And finds a kid there who has been separated from his daemon. Um, this is the most terrifying thing you could see. Because it is somebody without their soul, without their heart. It is somebody who has had that stripped and torn away from them. A person and their daemon cannot get far apart. Like, they cannot step away from each other more than, like, six feet. Because it hurts physically for that to happen. That- so to see somebody with out there and and you feel pain that you're you're you not feel pain but you're in distress when your daemon is in distress it's like right? an empathetic link yes yes you're if when you die your daemon dies Ooh, okay now like i love that when, when you are yeah most the, to see this kid without this should be the most is the most shocking and horrible thing Lyra Blackwell could ever see in her life like it is it is awful it is it is a it is a not only like a crime against law but like a crime against nature and good sense to do this would be mean you are the most awful person in the world and this is what the church is doing to children okay so the are the gobblers working for the church are they the church the gobbler (laughs) um Hi guys, we're, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna like. Are you how how sensitive are you with spoilers? Like, nah, do you like I'm, them? Are you? I will tell you if I have like an investment in something that I don't want spoiled. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm pretty chill about them. Listeners, I'm going to be spoiling the Golden Compass and and future books a little bit from here on out. Excellent. Okay. So the Gobblers, yes, they are the church. They are stealing children, but also they're stealing children to like uh, try to separate them from their. Uh, from, from their daemons in this way of like, oh, maybe they can grow up without being affected by dust, which we might see as sin. But Lord Azriel is stealing children to cut them from their daemons in order to get a immense amount of power to travel to other worlds, uh, to go to the city in the Northern Lights, to go to heaven, to try to kill God. <laughs> I see what and, you're saying about it currently taking place on alternate Earth. Which is where we get to book two, The Subtle Knife. Okay. We're on our earth. We're here. We're in our world. A boy named Will is the main character. Oh, he finds holy a knife. Holy shit. If you hold that knife at the right angle, you can feel it snag. You can pull it down and you can cut a hole between worlds. And you can step on through. Now, we learn that through each of the. They, they say you should always close a door behind you when you do that. 
and the reason you do is because if you don't, dust will start to drip out. And the first world that Will goes to is a world where only children are. Because when you turn 18, you can see the monsters. Oh, And the shit. monsters will see you. And they will immediately kill you. And, like, it's, like, fucking insane, dude. It's, I love, I, yeah. I feel love like I'm book. getting. I'm not going to. I feel like I'm getting secret, secret interstitial origins lore. There's a lot here in like. <laughs> also, Mrs. Coulter, who like runs the gobblers, is Lyra's mom. So what? you have one dad. Her dad is like, I'm going to. Her dad and mom are both like, we should destroy everything. And like, no, but the church wouldn't want it. Oh, but we want it. Oh, they're both like <laughs> mad in this pursuit of silence, uh, of, mad in the pursuit of science and the pursuit of like a uh, 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 valor and like in, in these all, all these air quotes, adult things. And in these adult things, they're willing to just literally kill children to get to it. And it is like it, the, the first book ends with like, the one of the reasons people hate the original movie. It's because the movie ends with everyone gets in an air balloon and flies away. The book ends with Lord Asriel killing the like uh, Lyra's childhood friend in front of her. Is that who I him. presume is Roger? Because she name drops him Roger. a couple times. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. So I will probably read these books now. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're hard as hell. They're great. Uh, there's a reason that like one my chosen name is Lyra. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask. She, That's exciting. She throws away her last name. She's no longer Lyra Balakwa. She is Lyra Silverton. And like, she's, she's fucking great. She's cool. She's cool as fuck. She's great. This, this book series rules. Now, let's talk a little bit more here. As we, as we get to like bigger themes here, like you can see, you can see now why maybe like <laughs> religious parents who've heard of this book won't let you read it. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. The whole idea of like, cutting a child's soul away which i have to say like without contextually knowing that that's what daemons were they mm -hmm. still like the dread that philip pullman mm -hmm. instilled in me reading this chapter just because of you know the guy that they were talking to that was so afraid and so mm -hmm. worried and then like talking about how they had had other children that were like this and they drove them out and that they usually die and i was just like oh god what is going on like mm -hmm. it was Horrible. And then, like, he goes so far as to, like, italicize the word interstition, which is the process of separating yes. a child from their daemon. And so I was just like, oh, boy. Okay, this is bad. Like, I got actual goosebumps, and I don't even know the full context of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And the whole book is, like, written with that level of, of, of heaviness. I'm sending you a picture right now of one of the one of the. I, if you're looking to Studio B, I'm just posting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is the machine that with which they oh, intersect. Oh God! And like you put them in like a crouch down in like the fucking Titan submersible with the glass pane between you, mm. and this blue beam just goes down the middle and separates you, and it's awful. It's That's terrible. Horrible. This is what they're doing in the north. Um, and, oh, we didn't even mention there are witches in this chapter. Oh, yeah. They mentioned that there are witches flying overhead. Lyra thinks they're birds. She also at one point references, like, the witches Damon was right or something. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are witches, what? which is, like, a whole other thing. What is a witch in this setting? Um, They're a witch. They they are straight up a witch. A, Do they a, also a, like, have daemons? They also have daemons, but witches and da their daemons can move over great distances. Um, uh. And they can they can separate each other in that big way. And so you have uh, uh, Seraphina Piccola is a is a 
What a, a name. Witch. It's it's a good name. Uh, and she works with, uh, she doesn't, the witches usually don't work with people, right? They, they don't work with people in that way. Okay. But they have, uh, Seraphina Piccola and Fartacorum have a, uh, have a relationship and have a past that they get into. Oh. And it is, it is so good. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Uh, her, her Damon, uh, Kaisa in the show is voiced by, uh, David Suchet. Oh, nice. Hercule fucking Poirot. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so so we've talked about the Panzerbjorns. Uh, are there mm-hmm. other, like, animal species or, like, I should say non-human species, I guess, that are sentient? <laughs> there are non-human species. There are angels. Okay, well, okay. With, like, like <laughs> Christian angels well here's the thing so it's i what i have to say is like it's not just the killing god thing and the daemons thing Mm -hmm. that was part of it it's that like in if you lived in like an insular christian community the news about these books was that the author is an atheist and he specifically wrote this book to have anti-christian themes which is true like he definitely definitely is like "Mm, nope nope that's not good that's not good you know um Uh but uh but uh so you saying it's it's, it's specifically a response to like uh like um to to um chronicles of narnia no it's specifically a response to uh uh sexual abuse in churches oh even it, better it is it is about it is about how how churches steal children's innocence in that way you know that makes like sense that, as to why uh oh man a lot of things coming into clarity right now mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. horrifying so like, oh there and so there are like there are actual real angels there are just a ton of different humans. Panzerborn are like one of the few like animals we see as far as like different species. Uh, there's other stuff that's like alluded to, but I don't honest to God can't remember much of it right now. Um, oh, it's just fucking tight, dude. It's just so cool. And like such like a heavy book for a kid to read. But that's like, I mean, that, those are the ones that you remember, right? Like, look at you. Like, mm-hmm. that's your, this was like a, a shaping book for you kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I fully believe that that kids can handle a lot more than people give them credit for. And I should caveat that with in fiction, because that is a mm-hmm. safe way yeah. to explore dangerous things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. In the in the movie, uh, Lord Asriel was played by Daniel Craig, and in the show, he's played by James McAvoy. Who did Nicole Kidman play in the movie? She was in the movie, right? Mrs. Coulter. Okay, I should have guessed that. In the yep, show, yep, he yep. plays who? Uh, Lord Asriel. Okay. All right. Okay. So this is the this is the show uh, parents that I'm going to I'm going to show yes, you right let, now. Let me uh, see. Right there. I knew she was in the show. I didn't realize who she was playing. And I can't remember this actress's name. Michelle Monaghan, I think. I believe so. Oh, James McAvoy. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. I have mixed feelings about this actor. But that's a good casting choice. Yep, yep, yep. That is a good, that that is absolutely fair. Um, but yes, I like you were saying before I interrupted you to just like look yeah, at pictures. That's fine. I like to look at um, pictures. Yeah, like children can tussle with more. And as somebody who like 
had a very complicated relationship with their parents and eventually has a worse relationship with their mother. Like this book really stood out to me and like grabbed onto my brain. And like, I hadn't read it or watched it again in a very long time. Then the HBO show started coming out and I was watching that first season and I was like, Oh, (laughs) I see where a lot of like, I see why I may have been drawn to this. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. That's the that's the kind of thing that's really fun to reflect on, I think, childhood books. And it's why there is value in rereading children's literature. And, you know, I think that it's a genre that maybe is overlooked by people or dismissed as as people grow up. But that's not necessarily all there is to take away from it. Like, you can still get value out of it as an adult. Yeah, I'm hold on. I'm doing something right now that's always a danger where I have to just type in Philip Pullman controversy. Oh no. It's always the test, right? It's always the test. It's what I do for every pop punk band that I get into. <laughs> that feels like a minefield. Uh, yeah. It, it always pop punk is a nightmare hellscape where I live in hell and every new band I listen to, I have to find out the singer is the worst and then I have to put them down again. Yeah. Yeah. But did Phil, why, I'm trying to find like a trustworthy source to tell me if he did anything bad. And well, here's the good thing: is like when I type in Philip Pullman controversy, I'm getting like uh, the Guardian, the Independent, like stuff that I know is like, hey, that's probably not a trustworthy link. Yeah, and that is like so that leads me to believe that he's chill, that he has either stayed in his lane or learned as, as time has progressed. It's true. Which I'm very happy to hear. See, you're you're doing it the harder way. I don't trust Google to give me anything anymore. So I am uh, typing <laughs> Philip Pullman into uh, Wikipedia because they always have a oh. section on people's pages for controversies. Oh, that's wise. That's wise. That's wise. So that's my, that's my go-to. I'll type it into Tumblr. <laughs> Let's see what that gets you. Sort by new. Oh, listen, he's anti-monarchy. Oh, my. my. They published <laughs> one of the pieces in The Guardian is about him being anti-monarchy. I love him. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that he's done a lot of growing. And I'm, I would, there's no way I can fully expect that like he has made it through 1995 to now without fucking up uh, being old in 1995. But I am very excited. In January 2020, Pullman called for literate people to boycott the newly minted Brexit 50 pence coin due to the omission of the Oxford comma in its slogan, peace, prosperity, and friendship with all nations. He had me in the first half. I was like, okay, so he's anti-Brexit, but... Yeah, that he's just like a text, like a like one of those guys. Like, you need a comma there. <laughs> so, so little column A, little column B. Listen, we get what we we take the the wins that we can. Exactly. So, okay, so let me a let me ask you some quick questions here about yeah about yeah like the about the book, your vibes with it as you're going with from it. Uh, do you uh, what would uh, what form would your Damon take? Oh man. Oh, gosh, I, so I feel like there there is a piece of me that like if I had read these books as a child, I would have told you that it was a tiger. 
because that's just the kind of kid I was, right? Um, Or or that it would like fluctuate between like a tiger and an otter and things like that. Um, As an adult, man, that's a harder question. And I think, because it's like, man, it's like not what animal I like. It's not what you like. Exactly. Okay, you you tell me what yours is first so I can think about this. Unfortunately, mine would be a dog because I am big, I am stupid, I am excited. It is, it is a thing that I hate, but I think is accurate. Um, If I had my way, it would be a blue jay. (laughs) Oh man, but you're not enough of an asshole to be a blue jay. No, but it's silly. Yeah, (laughs) blue jays can be silly. Yeah, that's okay. That's fair. I can. I can see that. Man, uh, I feel like. Deeply, deeply, unfortunately, I think that mine would have to be some kind of ape because I'm just mm-hmm. a little too cheeky for it to be anything else, I think. But I also like I don't like apes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, there are people that don't like their daemon. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, if it was like a gibbon, maybe or like if it was like a lemur, maybe that's not an ape, but it would that would be cool. Kind of. I just, I'm very excitable, but I'm also like very stubborn and can be very opinionated and, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, I like to, like to have fun. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that works. I think that works. That's a good, that's a good answer. Um, <laughs> which of these characters that you have met so far or which of the like groups that are referenced are you most interested in learning more about? So I want to know what is up with Lord Fa, I think, because I'm always interested in children's books with how they depict leadership and authority. And I think that this chapter made it pretty clear that everyone in the group that they're traveling in respects him as a leader and, is, you know, defers to his authority, um, maybe even to a ridiculous uh, degree, like the whole Iric, well, if he tells me to take you, I'll take you kind of thing. Um, so I think that what I would be looking for is, is more information about him and how he's earned that trust, how he keeps that trust, if he keeps that trust, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and then out of the next three books or the next two books, the subtle knife and the amber spyglass and the golden, and including the golden compass, uh, which one of those do you think is the best name? Which one of those screams to you? I really think... The subtle knife is the is the strongest title for me personally, um, because it inherently is hinting at danger. Like you have, mm-hmm. you know, you have the golden compass, and that is like a journey, exploration, etc., et that kind of thing, um, which is cool. And then you have the amber spyglass, which spyglass makes me think some, you know, you're discovering something, something's going to be illuminated, mm-hmm. right? But the subtle mm-hmm. knife is like, I don't know, that sounds like. It could be tricky. It sounds like it could be dangerous. Knife in the dark, you know, stabbed in the back, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just to just to like to read about the the danger stuff. Like to definitely read about like the shadowy stuff. All right. Then, Mike, do we have anything else we want to get into? Uh, we 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 you know one chapter. I see why they do multiple chapters. Yeah, I definitely see why they do multiple chapters. I don't know. This has been really fun. So thanks for doing this with me. And thank you to Jacqueline and Jane for letting us take over their feed for an episode. 
Yes, and thank you, listeners, for joining us here at Moonshot for for cha- different charity streams and for all the events that we do. It is a blast, and is why we get to do things like this. So we are endlessly thankful and endlessly appreciative. And also, shout out, thank you, Jacqueline, for organizing all of Showstop. Yes, that is a monumental thing, and that is one of the reasons that Unwise Ghost is one of my favorite new shows on the network. I know they're not new anymore; they've been around for a year, but I still am like, oh yes. <laughs> let's fucking go it's Jacqueline and Jane yes Unwise Girls is a really good show and I would hope that anyone tuning into this episode is already listening to that show because uh, they do a lot mm-hmm. of great analysis um, but yeah Riley you want to tell people where they can find you yeah you can find me on on Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends a fan fiction inspired actual play podcast where we take stories corporation zone and tell our own with them because we don't who will we just did a Dragon Ball Z season and next we will be doing Infinity Train but with uh, canon characters including Shadow the Hedgehog Trish Una from Jojo uh, Ma- Shigeo Mob Psycho 100 Kagayama <laughs> and Audrey from MTV Street Scream Show let me tell you, the first time that you guys referenced Audrey in the server, I was like, oh, my God, was I supposed to be on a recording or something? <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> you could also find me on the podcast Minds, a podcast pilot pitching project, or Champs in the Making. You, you, you know Champs. Uh, Audrey, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Alone at the Table, a show where I play solo tabletop games, and I invite listeners to come along for the experience. Uh, It's half actual play, half mm, game mechanic assessment type thing, Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's really exciting. You can also find me on Mordor She Wrote, which is a show that I host with my friend Kayla. Kayla has never read or seen Lord of the Rings, and I watched Fellowship of the Ring every day the summer that I was 12, so I have a lot of fun breaking down that series with her. We go chapter by chapter. It's a lot of fun. Hell yeah. All right. And with that, how do they fucking end this thing? I've listened to so many of them. I genuinely don't know. Uh, check out moonshotpods.com for other great moonshot shows. And I don't know what they, their sign-off is. I don't know. And then, you know, hey, go go get him, Tiger. <laughs> 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 Fucking bye. <laughs> <laughs>